You know, if there was a guy who was killing people dressed as Santa Claus, and this was like a big, like, newsworthy event. Maybe you don't fucking dress up people like Santa Claus. How stupid are you? Anyways, guys, welcome to the Messed Up at Midnight Podcast, the show that's getting deep into some eggnog and stab wounds this holiday season. I'm your host, Max Steele, and as always, I'm joined by the man who is actually afraid of Santa Claus. It's Michael Flaherty, everybody. <laughs> Santa Claus is a dirty bastard. I was, I was, I grew up, we grew up in a, in a German household over here at the Flaherty family. It's, we, uh, we were more of a Krampus family. So holiday, the holidays were a harrowing time rather than a joyful one. It's like every time you go into a Macy's or just any store, you just look around, and you're just like, huh, 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 just start freaking out. Just exactly. Like having a meltdown in just the a, middle of a just, Walmart. Exactly. I'm in just the middle. I'm just the, in the middle of a like a mall, and you just see a fat Santa just sitting down. And I'm like, no, I know he's. I know he's a skinwalker. <laughs> like I know he's gonna tear off his skin, and it'll be a Krampus coming to kill me. Santa Claus is a skinwalker. Change our minds. But anyways, guys, we're not talking about. Skin, we're not. We're not talking about skinwalkers take, take here a, today. Take a claw to your local Santa Claus. <laughs> but Mike, no, we can't. We can't focus on skinwalkers today because. We are talking about the 1984 British slasher, maybe we call it Santa Sploitation film, Don't Open Till Christmas. It's about the British who have a guy who's killing people who are dressed up as Santa Claus and the investigation that ensues. This festive holiday movie, it sucks, but it may tickle that exploitation itch that you have. Mike what did you think of don't open till christmas <laughs> this movie's such hot ass i also i love the use of santa exploitation because that alludes to the fact that there are exploitation movies surrounding santa claus which i'm gonna be honest there are a few of them there are right? a fucking few of them there's santa claus conquers the martians which is a classic one there's mm-hmm. this like Santa Slay, like Black Christmas, um, Black Christmas, God, what's, yeah. What's the name of it? The, there's, there's another one, but it's it's, it's, it's slipping my it's slipping my mind. Silent right Night, now. Deadly That's Night, that one. <laughs> it's a garbage day. No, <laughs> I, I actually, this movie is terrible. It's awful. It's not good. Um, this is, this is the most exploitation exploitation movie. At least holiday movie wise, mm-hmm. that I think I've seen in a long time. Like I've obviously seen quintessential like exploitation movies, like you know, like Shaft and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. this is the top of the heap where I went, damn, it really do be Christmas time and people want b- boobs and killing. <laughs> well, dude, it's so hard to believe watching this movie that A Nightmare on Elm Street came out the same fucking year and looking at the kills of this movie i was expecting so much more but what i got nothing really that like stood out to me and we'll get into some of the kills later on but you know it's a christmas it's a christmas slasher film made by the british that came out in the 80s you're here for the lulls like you're here for the memes exactly there's no part of you that sits there here's don't open till christmas sees the box art and then goes 
I know this is going to be transformative and provide a really deep discussion on what it means to be a teenager in the modern age. No, you're like, hell yeah, this is going to be dumb and fun. And you know what? It achieves both of those to a certain degree. It achieves the dumb part so easily, so damn easily. The fun part in in pieces, in pieces, sober, I was having a blast. Mm -hmm. And then there were other parts where I was like, for the love of all this, holy, please end. Again, I, I think you can kind of see like where we're going to rank this in our drunk movie marathon, but but we'll hold on that for now. Uh, but I think part of the issues with this movie comes from the behind the scenes as as it is with most movies. It took almost two years to complete this movie after the original director, Edmund Purdom, uh, quit, who also plays the inspector, by the way. He quit from being director to just being an actor. Then... Writer Derek Ford took over directing duties. Then he got fired after two days. I saw an article <laughs> mention something about uh, he kind of liked the drink. Uh, then the movie's editor, Ray Self, stepped in as director. And Alan Birkenhow was tasked with rewriting portions of the script. And I assume somebody was directing at some point. Because then Edmund Purdom comes back to finish directing the film. Did I mention? Did I mention that Edmund Purdom got into acting specifically in horror movies because his wife tried to kill him. <laughs> All right. There's so... God. A lot to unpack there. We got There's so much to unpack. Okay. All right. We're going to take baby steps, listeners. One, this... Did they, at a certain point, I feel like they just had the Black Sabbath effect with their, like, they just had the main guy quit and they're just like, all right, let's do second in command. Easy is easy enough. And then that guy quit. And then they're just like, just going down the line until they eventually, they're just like, Steve feels kind of directory. Why don't we get him in the chair? He feels, feels like he could do it. And then they just bring the main guy back. And then. The second part is the reason this dude acts in horror is because he's th this man was a victim and went this would be great on on film though. This would be great on film. So apparently his wife like plugged in her hair dryer or she had her plugged in hair dryer in the soap dish when Edmund was about to take a bath and he was like about to get in the bathtub and he saw that and was like hmm I think I just had a spiritual awakening. I know what I'm meant to do with my life now. I I love that. He just it's the I don't like it. it's 1977 and he just finished watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he's like, "Whoa, what a transformative experience." And then he just sees his wife almost freaking kill him and then he goes, "Edmund, it's not often that you feel divinity in this in this modern world, but this feels just like one of them." Now, this movie was also produced by an exploitation uh, legend in Dick Randall, who's had his work uh, span across like Mondo documentaries, martial arts movies, oh, yeah. slasher films, oh. Italian mm -hmm. murder mysteries, with some titles mm -hmm. he produced being Slaughtered High, The Clones of Bruce oh, yeah. Lee, Pieces, Mondo Inferno, and just so much more. Mike, have, have you heard that oh. name before? I, I, so, so. The thing was, is truthfully, I had no idea who Dick Randall was. But mm -hmm. then you just started listing off the stuff he did. And I'm like, oh, oh, baby. Because when you did Slaughtered High, I was like, okay, all right. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. And then you just started going the the clone Bruce Lee martial arts movies, which, listeners, 
if you have any tangential interest in martial arts movies and you want a fucking rabbit hole, the Bruce, the post Bruce Lee rabbit hole is a deep one. The amount of people who are just called themselves Bruce A. Lee or Bruce B. Lee or Bruce, like pick a letter Lee. Mm-hmm. Nuts. It's so funny. Cause it's just these fucking copycats at a certain point. It just feels like they're just, they're just those mascots outside of a fucking Baskin Robbins. They're just like, all right, you're Bruce Lee today. And they just put on the suit. We need to go down some Bruce exploitation, man. We got to we'll go oh, down the yeah. rabbit hole a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, you. I'm so ready. I'm so ready for a martial arts movie on this podcast. Again, we do. We got to We got to go. We got to dip our toes back in. I'm going to be right. We did Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, martial arts and uh, no retreat no surrender and mortal Kombat. oh that's i forgot the actual martial arts movies that we did <laughs> yeah so anyways before we get on to the drinks of this podcast um we do i do at least want to mention uh the movie does have a dark side uh, actors alan lake who played uh, giles in the movie and jerry sunquist who played cliff both uh, tragically committed suicide after this movie wrapped filming. Uh, Alan Lake, uh, before the movie was released, the year of. And Sunquist, this was his last movie role before ending his own life in 1993. May they rest in peace. Now, mm-hmm. let's get on to the silliness. Mike, oh. <laughs> if Don't Open Till Christmas was a drink, what would it be and why? I, I love it. I love it. Hot swap from tragedy to... To, to alcoholism what a what a fun what's a what a fun logical transition no all right everybody strap in because i'm gonna try and create a very christmas halloween because you know halloween's got a horror thing going on mm-hmm. i was thinking of doing you know a mixture cocktail and you know this movie's bad it's not a good movie but i'm not overly offended by the movie like it wasn't something that made me want to vomit internally so follow me on this the movie at its core it's a christmas movie with a kick it's got a fun little twist to it that being it's got a lot of killing and a lot of boobs so you're so naturally let's 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 crack open some peppermint schnapps because peppermint schnapps is a classic getting drunk cocktail around the holiday season because it's got more of a kick than you expect Mm -hmm. so throw in let's say two ounces of peppermint schnapps next pour in i would say about maybe half an ounce to an ounce of creme de menthe this will this will serve as our sort of cocktail for the killer in this movie not going to spoil it but because much like the killer in this movie, Cryptomynth is so goddamn obvious the moment it enters the game. There's no there's no beating around the bush once Cryptomynth comes to play. And it's got a very strong present flavor that stands out amongst everything. So put in half an ounce of Cryptomynth. It's there and it's present, but meh. Next, let's do a liquor for our main inspector harris he's the main gumshoe on the case who's trying to figure out who the heck this killer is because apparently it's a real freaking doozy on who it may be (laughs) so you know 
Harris is Harris in this movie. One of his key traits outside of, you know, randomly flirting with victims is not being English, actually. So for that, not quite English, but still from the UK energy, grab some Baileys, put in a bar spoon to float into this. Now, finally, we have the kills. And when this movie isn't giving you half-assed killers and cops whose main traits are flirting with people and kind of being stupid. So it's got it's got blood and viscera. So let's toss in the grenadine, you know? And if you, a keen a keen-eared listener may realize that I've just created a zombie brain shot and I have, <laughs> but it's Christmassy. So shut up. <laughs> Now, because this movie's this this cocktail's missing one final piece, and that is the fact that it's an exploitation movie, so gotta have the other exploitation, and that's nudity. So grab your cocktail so far, pour it into a to pour it into a boobs-shaped shot glass, and then just down the fucking hatch. You know, I really thought part of you was going to say, you know, it does have nudity, so just get naked and drink it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You know what? I want you to go out into the nature and just get nude. Get, just get naked. So like, so you said a peppermint flavored zombie shot. That's okay. Okay. You went, you like went went for a, for a smaller, for a a bit of a smaller route. Yeah. We haven't done a whole lot of shots here. You got, I like it, Mike. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I went a little bit of a different direction. I would try that, Mike, and it'd probably be terrible. Um, So here for my drink, we got a dude killing people who are dressed as Santa Claus and it's exploitation. What do we do? Let's not beat around the bush here, guys. This movie, it has a gimmick. It's a Christmas slasher movie about a dude killing other dudes dressed as Santa Claus. It's Christmas time. But instead of going down the rabbit hole of like peppermint schnapps like Mike did or like a Rumplemints or any like type of peppermint flavor, you're going to go to the store and you're going to buy yourself some cheap eggnog and take out a beer glass, pour in about half full. But at the same time, we also need liquor here. And what better liquor for a cheap exploitation slasher movie than cheap vodka? Let's drop in three ounces. Now we got the characters. Be honest, I don't like any of them. Like Mike said, the inspector just flirts with everybody. The dancer is okay. She is she is there. The girl, the Kate and her boyfriend kind of suck as well. Uh, no one really stands out. So for bad characters... Add in three heaping dashes of bitters, because they all suck. And next we got kills. There is a there is blood, there is viscera, but I'm like, I wasn't that impressed with the kills in the movie. Yeah, there was a lot of blood, but none of the, none of them had any weight. And I'll get into that uh, as the podcast goes on. They the kills are soft in this movie, and it feels like they're reaching, but they don't reach far enough. So for that, add in some red Kool Aid into your vodka eggnog till you're about three quarters of the way full. But we're going to water it down too. So add some water, fill up the rest of your glass with water. And, you know, as the British say, Bob's your uncle. Don't open till Christmas. That's the drink. Vodka, bitters, some nug, 
and water it all down. With Kool-Aid. With Kool-Aid. With Kool-Aid, no less. Well, all right, Max. Yours is grosser. Yours is for sure grosser. I was like, I heard you brought some nog in, and I'm like, we like some nog around here. We're we're some nog fans. And then you went, and vodka. And I was like, all right, not normally what goes into nog. And then you went, bitters and Kool-Aid. And I went, hmm, all right, I'm lost. (laughs) It's good, though. Listen, listen, man, and hey, if you want to experiment, take Mike's shot and drop it into my drink and just down the hatch. Not responsible for your hospital bills. (laughs) Dude, you're not gonna go to the hospital. Your stomach's gonna do backflips, though. You're, you're. There's no way you're gonna be ingesting eggs, milk, liquor, and Kool Aid, and then your body's gonna go. This is this is exactly what I was expecting, and I'm pleased that you put it in me. You know we're gonna have to try this one now, dude. This is. I have to say, our creative juices flowed during this cocktails session. So let's get some other juices flowing. Let's get some blood flowing here. Go grab yourself your eggnog or your uh, Christmas zombie brain. And let's talk about don't open till Christmas. So again, guys, we're going to be doing this in our new format. Again, we're giving it a shot. We're going to go through positives, negatives, then give our overall opinions. And then we'll go get right into spoiler territory. Let's see if we have some positives here first. <laughs> some of the things I got to say. It's relatively short. It, the movie doesn't mm-hmm. stick around for too long. You're not going to be getting like, you know, this movie reaching two hours. And when it hits like, you know, the hour 30 mark, you're like, I really wish this movie would end. And also, this movie is very British. Mike, wouldn't you wouldn't you say oh. so? It's super Oh, my British. God. Oh my god, I just wanted to put on a London fog coat, just stop brushing my teeth, and just fulfill every British stereotype, because god damn, it reaches into British freaking territory. And again, that has some charm to it, which is why I put it in as a positive. And I'll also go on to say that this movie has a very high body count. Like, it seemed like at the beginning of the movie, like, five people got killed... Like, just just bang, 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 bang. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, is this how it's going to be the whole movie? Just a, a series of, like, just dudes dressed as Santa getting murdered? Unfortunately, it's not. And we also have a story here that's uh, not the best. But what, what what do you want me to say? Yeah, I'll absolutely jump in on this one. This is definitely my main pro for the movie. Is if you're definitely a, let's skip all the... All the all the all the fussy lead up stuff and just get to kills. This is your damn movie because they they definitely are a quantity over quality people. They have a they've they've adopted the McDonald's mindset of just if you give them enough, they'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, and let's also talk about the first kill, the opening. Oh yeah, it's a it's a POV opening of the killer. We've seen it. We've seen it done on like not too long ago on this podcast with Thanksgiving, and I'm a sucker for that. And also, it skips the opening credits, and we just get like right into the movie. I was so confused at first watching it because I'm like, I hit play, and then the movie just started. I'm like, don't we have like an opening credit I, thing? Like, it, it confused me. I I agree. I I'll give you a quick peek behind the curtain. I found this for free on YouTube and mm-hmm. I went, 
okay, well, let's check out and see the YouTube one and see if, because a lot of YouTube movies, what they'll do is they'll mirror it. So they'll just flip it and it's bad. Mm -hmm. But what, but no, it, it did seem flipped. So I was like, okay, but it felt like it didn't have an intro at all. So I went and found it on Shudder, and I looked there, and it was the exact same. So I'm like, oh, I guess this movie just has no intro. Dude, they're like, hey, we don't have any time. We got, we got, we got to start killing Santa Claus. It, it's the exact same energy that Thanksgiving has, where it's like, boobs in the first second. And another big positive, this movie is absolutely ridiculous. It's so campy. Mm-hmm. The way the people die, again, it feels so soft, which is both a pro and a con in my book. But it's hilarious watching the deaths and the concept itself of a man who kills people who are dressed up as Santa Claus. is How many people are just walking around dressed as Santa in London? I, and why are they all That's drunk? what I was – yeah, yeah. I love that 90% of them are just shit-faced. Like it was just a pastime for the Brits to just be like, oh – you know, it's December. Time to dress up like Saint Nick and get unabashedly wasted at my local pub. Like it's it's weird because you know that shit would not fly in America because it'd just be the only people that are dressed up as Santa are mall Santas and the people in the Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's either either they're either the killer's hanging out in malls or he's going to hell. So it's it's one or the other. <laughs> Now, apart from that, this movie just sucks. But if you like exploitation movies, I really think that this will be, like, right up your alley. Mike, do you have any <laughs> other positives that you want to focus in on, or do you just want to just start bashing this movie? I, okay, before we start bashing this movie, I got one last positive. Oh, you not, found one. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait till the end. I'm going I'm to wait to elaborate on the sp- when we're in the spoiler section. Hmm. The ending... To this movie is cat shit nuts. Amazing. (laughs) The ending to this movie is so fucking unhinged. I cried laughing. My jaw hit the floor with this ending. I'm like, no shit, they did. I thought it was gonna like go one way. I was like, why are they gonna go that way? But then they just went the complete opposite. I was like, nope, that's not what I was expecting either. But fuck yeah. (laughs) It's so, oh, I have tears in my eyes just talking about it. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, this movie slogs and it's such a bad movie. Oh, my God, that ending is hysterical. We're going to get right into the negatives now cuz guys go go like Mike said you can find this on YouTube. You can go on Shutter and get it. I'm sure there are other places where you can find this movie. You can look it up and go watch this movie if anything for the ending. It's just chef's kiss, not what you're expecting. Oh, I love it so much. Now that we've, you know, got the stroke sesh for this movie out of the way, let's just fucking bury it for like the next like 40 minutes oh oh yeah baby i'm so prepped (laughs) so i want to start off by saying that in my eyes the kills in this movie are so soft where there there are some in this movie where i was like did i was like did they die really that 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 it was like it's like a soft stab like again the opening scene i'm not gonna again you can it's just such a soft kill they die so easily and there's maybe one kill 
where I see it and I'm like, okay, I see it. I feel it. Nice. And there is one kill where someone gets shot in the back of the head and he just kind of like, he doesn't like fall over like you would. He just kind of like slowly like places himself on the ground <laughs> as we see just this gigantic head wound. Like he's like lying down to like take a nap in the middle of the street. <laughs> exactly. No, it's it, 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 the weight of the kill really sells how awesome the kill can be. Because there, there are even movies like, like Psycho. Psycho doesn't show the knife going into like the woman, like the shower scene. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just the the moving of the knife and the screams and then the blood in the toilet in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. But it's still visceral because the weight of it. You're like, oh wow, this movie, all of the kills. It's like half. It's like all of the victims have sepsis. It's like a knife through butter because it's just. He just lightly pokes him. Like, there's one kill in particular that made me sort of roll my eyes. Well, one was the freaking gun to the head. But the other one was the killer is choking a woman. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, the killer grabs the woman and lightly spins her against a wall. Not like throws her. He grabs her by the arms and goes, huh. And like puts her against the wall and then chokes her in the way like a rom-com would would jokingly throw like, I don't know, a scarf around their significant other and laugh. <laughs> it's so weak and it just takes the energy out of it. I really just want to like look at just director Edmund Purdom and be like, dude, you said that you got inspired to work on these movies because your wife tried to kill you. Where is that energy? Show me that that's energy. My, that's my question. That's my question. If your wife tried to murder you, you could totally just retell the freaking tale. And then it would, that'd be a pretty compelling movie. I feel like if it's based off of just the director's life, that'd be pretty impressive. But no, we get this. And also the thing, and granted, this is more just a knock on just, this is more just, you know, the movie's aged, Mm -hmm. but the practical effects with this movie suffer greatly because Mm -hmm. this movie's cheap. So it doesn't have the benefit that Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween do where it's like, or actually no, just Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Halloween Halloween was made for cheap too. So yeah, no, no, it's exactly. That's why I had to rescind what I said. (laughs) It's Halloween and nothing, but yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street and like uh, Friday the 13th and all of that. Those had big freaking budgets. And as a result, the kills are super cool and visceral. And the practical effects kind of hold up. This does not. Mm-hmm. It's literally there's one where the where the killer grabs a broken bottle and points it to the camera. Mm-hmm. And then it just pants. And it is an obvious dummy with a gaping Dude, hole I, in his head. I was going to save. I was going to save talking about the kills for the spoiler section. Like going into oh. detail. I'll I'll save my thoughts on that just so I can set up the scene a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. We'll get into the other kills in the spoiler section. (laughs) And dude, I think another reason is like the sound design on the kills. There's not like any like bam or like a stabbing. There's nothing there. And also these kills, they're just, they're kills for the sake of kills. We're not seeing any characters that we give a shit about like getting killed. It's just mm-hmm. some rando in a Santa costume. I'm like, why do I care that this random mall Santa is dying? 
And also, should have mentioned this with the blood with the um the kills back there, but the gore is also like eh. Like if you're gonna have a movie yeah. with like a killer Santa, you at least go like all out for the gore. But we just kind of get some blood in this movie that's like too, this might be nitpicky, too red and like real liquidy. Like mm-hmm. me personally, mm-hmm. I like my blood a little bit like thicker and a little bit darker. Mike, Mike, how do you like your your horror movie? <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad we're delving into this topic. All right, it's this is my TED talk now. No, it's I am I am definitely. I'm definitely more forgiving of it just because a lot of these 70s and 80s movies have that problem where they all decided that blood was like like bright freaking red when in reality it is like wine red bordering on purple like it's so it's such a deep deep dark red mm-hmm. so I am definitely partial to deep dark red blood but I do understand what the movie kind the movie was pretty much just trend riding in every single way. And that bright red does look fantastic for the camera. But in this movie, and no, Mm-mm. it's, it's, it's obviously relying on its kills and it's not putting any weight into the realism of the kills. Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I couldn't have put it any better. Do you, do you have anything you want to say about uh, any other negatives you want to say about the kills now uh, before we go on to, uh, before we go on? Uh, no. Well, actually, wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Here's one final thing I have to say about the kills. Is This also will feed into another criticism of mine, and it's that the movie is was made by an ADHD freaking Zoomer. Like, I, it's... The movie has such a massive pacing problem. Mm-hmm. That is... The, one of the biggest key glaring red offenders in my book. And as a result of this massive pacing issue, the scenes where there are no kills are breakneck speed. It It's like Barbie fairy secret speed. And then yeah. the actual kills are slower in pace. Mm-hmm. So what happens as a result is when you're in is when you're in a scene and the scene feels slow, you already know that someone on screen is gonna die, which is not fun. You kind of just go, oh, okay, they're gonna die. And that's it. That's that's freaking it. Yeah, dude, this movie is so choppy. Like like you mm-hmm. said, the editing just feels like not focused. And along with like the script as well. Things get introduced and reintroduced at the drop of a hat. Like, yes. Uh, oh, uh, my Cliff, God. Cliff having a photographer friend, he just appears and then he just gets forgotten about. And then characters like they just get like introduced and then reintroduced multiple adding, then removing, then adding again as different directors. It's just really made this movie so unfocused. I'm like, OK, movie, who am I trying to grab onto? Like, who who is the care? Who am I following here? And that brings me there to was- another point. There are plot holes in this movie the size of Mike's ass. Like, I swear, they're <laughs> massive. It's a fucking dumpy. No, I I, I, I absolutely, absolutely freaking agree. It, it's the moving past the the pacing problem and the lack of focus on a, on a main singular character. Like, the plot holes in this movie, the... Big one for me being this is a high profile <laughs> s- murderings 
based off of the fact that the killer is targeting people dressed as Santa. This is, according to the movie, such a key issue that Scotland Yard is getting involved. Now, granted, I'm not 100% deep in, like, British the British judicial system. We don't know what I that is. But I assume there's cop... Exactly. We're pretty freaking rough. But I assume it's, like, MI6 is at the freaking top because uh, James Bond is cool. And then it's, like, Scotland Yard. And then it's, like, street cops. Why is Scotland Yard getting involved and it's a high-profile case and everyone is still dressed as Santa? Mm -hmm. I feel like that would be a big issue. Stop dressing up as Santa. <laughs> Dude, I mean, why Why do you think I mentioned that like as my opening bit? Yes, That's the main I takeaway I got from this movie. I wanted to chime in so badly, but I was like, we got to wait until we get to the cons because this is going to be the big problem. It's just stop dressing up like Santa. Stop. <laughs> You would think that would be like a really easy thing to do. Just be like, hey, don't yeah. do that. Otherwise, we're going to arrest you or or we're not going to arrest you and you're just going to die. I don't really give a shit. Well, also, also the thing about it is if you if they if the movie actually did that, it would not only totally quell the logic that the that the viewer is trying to put into the movie, but also it would give another dimension to the killer. Mm -hmm. Like they would go, Oh, okay. So he's not just a one trick pony. He's doing stuff for a reason outside of that. And then you could pick a cooler reason rather than Santa bad. Mm -hmm. I got a better reason, Mike. I have, a, I have a better uh, reason that would make this movie make sense. Oh, have it take place at Santa con. Oh my God. Just, oh, just a con so just sick. full of people dressed as santa claus and then, then oh my god th th that's your reason <laughs> oh my god it's like think oh my god it's like like they're at santa con but like for some reason like the like it has like blast shields or something and all the santas get locked in and there's a killer <laughs> and they all have to band together to figure out who the santa killer is i think you're just now like describing a weird knockoff of squid game <laughs> <laughs> it's ah, Santa, Santa game, reindeer games, Rain, reindeer game. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Dude, but you mentioned the Scotland Yard, and they're getting involved. Our inspector in this movie, he just waltzes around doing nothing, and just like accuses like just people of a crime that he clearly that they clearly didn't commit. And he also just disappears for like half of the movie, and then reappears like. Hi, remember me? I'm also the director. I, I I do love that. That is a really, really key issue for me, is that the main, in this, according to the freaking billing and like the Wikipedia page and everything, the main freaking character is this, is this inspector guy. So you're like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Inspector man does not show up for the middle part of the movie. He's just not there. And you're like, okay, that's a key issue, but we'll we'll move past it. This man, he is a he is what kid me thinks a detective is, because he just walks up to people and is just like Seems like you are out at night the night that the killer killed someone. Curious. And you're like, I and he goes, Oh, but I was doing X, Y, and Z. And the inspector goes, I'm not accusing you. I'm just throwing ideas out there. And then he just leaves. He just fucks off. And you're like, what? And then 
he also no. tries to fucking flirt with like yes. a character that could be his own daughter in I... Kate. And by the way, Kate, she certainly is there. Her dad died, which is like a motivating factor, but like she doesn't really do anything with it. She just kind of like waits to talk to the inspector and the inspector, the actor clearly doesn't give a shit about the movie that he's in slash making. It oh my God. Is really, it is a glaring problem. You, it's so, so blatant because this, this inspector waltzes in on this woman who, contextually speaking, lost her father in front of her. And, and again, we'll get into the kills later. We'll get into the kills, but spoiler alert, it's a little gory. It's a little upfront, if you know what I mean. It's so this guy waltzes in, sort of drops the like, how do you feel that you that your dad is fucking dead, bitch? And she's like, oh, not 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 super great. But, you know, I'm because I suck at acting. I'm compartmentalizing like a god. And he's like, sick. Is that your boyfriend over there? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, you're suspicious as hell. And he's like, what the hell, man? And then he goes, here's my number. Call me. And then he just walks out. You're like, who the fuck is this? And then, yeah, the, the, the freaking plot is just like, oh, yeah, BT Dubs. Yeah, Maybe his kid. Yeah, the inspector's just accusing Cliff, and he's just like, dude, I'm just trying to just busk and play the flute for money. Like, <laughs> I love that. He's so... I, that's another thing. It's, again, I'm not. Why I'm does he play some, the flute? I, I I am someone who is very much a pro, uh, unique characters. So that because that unique characters create memorable characters. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna remember accountant number five at like Goldman Sachs, but you're gonna remember. But you're gonna remember a guy who busks to earn money. Like that's a that's a cool character in in like movie logic. Why did they make him a flautist? Why did they make him a like a flute player? That's so weird. Dude, so looking at the rest of these characters, Mike, we have the, the inspector's assistant, Powell. And I'm sorry, the guy that played him, he just can't act. He's like, no. who are you and what are you doing here? Okay, well, you've been very helpful. He just like does – he just comes in and like says things – and then leaves. That that's literally he's, it. His his whole this poor guy. I know that he's doing a solid for Edmund Porgren or whatever the guy's name is. But this poor sucker cannot act to save his freaking life mm-hmm. because he walks in and his envisionment of a Scotland Yard guy is ha business business stern voice ha plot forwarding device and then he turns around and leaves and it's and again when this guy talks to people mm-hmm. outside of just monologuing it is a treat because this guy he's got the mariah carey and glitter effect because the other people look like freaking look like thespians compared to this poor sucker well dude where his acting really sticks out to me is um, when Powell comes into his office. This is I'm, we're not, I'm not going to get too much into spoilers here. Where Powell comes into his office and he runs into another character, uh, Giles, just appearing out of nowhere. He's like, 
who are you? What are you doing here? And yeah, Giles, he just fucking <laughs> appears for like a few scenes, is gone for a while, and then suddenly reappears. Like, he, he has the same problem that the inspector does. Giles, essentially, Harry Potter warps into Powell's office. And again, when a when a person shows up in your place of work unexpectedly, and they're not a worker, your first thought isn't, this cool cat's got some skills. You're, or or just, you know, let's hear him out. Your first thought is security. Like, mm-hmm. they, so, and the guy can only show one emotion, and that's stern talking to. So, shock on poor Powell's face. It's just, he looks like your boss is angry at you, but he's kind of confused as well. He's like, God damn it, this is what I expected. <laughs> And I'm not sure where I lost you, but go on. Well, dude, and the last couple of characters that I wanted to focus in on is Jerry, the photographer. Again, just fucking appears for like for like ten minutes, then fucks off for the rest of the movie. He just kind of approaches one character, just kind of out in public, and we think, okay, well, maybe this is going to be like you know a route we're going to go down, and then we just fucking don't go back to it. And I really think that comes on to the problems of reshoots which the character of the dancer or whatever her name is i think in the in the movie she might have been called like the experienced girl or whatever the fuck that means I she's the one in the peep show if you know who I'm yeah talking it's about. uh i think i think her name is sherry in the Some, movie no that's her mom's no sherry is the is another character i think but you gotta be shitting me <laughs> but this dancer uh. she got brought in during reshoots for like a scene i think it was originally supposed to be just like a you know a quick cutaway scene or whatever but then they just decided to add her in as a character with all like the the rewriting and the reshooting that they had going on and it just really goes to show like having rewrites and reshoots are not a bad thing every movie has to do that but when they're this blatant when i can be like that's a reshoot that that's because they didn't have any fucking clue what what they were going to be doing the next day it really feels amateurish yeah and that's and that's another big con that i have in the movie with regards to these reshoots which honestly i i could tell that there was definitely some stuff that they had to add in freaking after the fact because it's just an entire new crop of characters halfway through the movie but the the issue is that it almost feels, I don't know, it feels it feels like the movie just kind of wrote itself into a wall, mm-hmm. and then they're like, hmm, how do we navigate this wall? And then they just went and just took a sledgehammer to the wall until an opening opened up, and then they went, all right, now it's fixed. And then they just walked through it. It's, it's, they didn't actually work to solve the issues that they had created. They mm-hmm. kind of just did a family guy cutaway gag until they realized how they could get around it. And then they got around it. Yeah. It just feels so, so weird. Again, shit happens, but you probably could have found a better way. Now, Mike, do you have any other negatives that I might've missed that you want to touch on before we get into our overall opinions on the movie? Hmm. I think no, I think we can get into spoiler. I think we can get into our overall impressions on the movie. So my overall impression, exploitation, trash, cinema. Which, if you're into that, you'll probably have fun with this movie. 
If not, mm-hmm. you're probably going to hate it. For me, I'm like, this is this is a movie number like three for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Add this in for your like your Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then this movie marathon or Santa's Slay mm-hmm. and this movie is a double feature. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree with that. This is absolutely a, a movie number, late movie number two mm-hmm. or a movie number three. It's, again, it's, I mean, there's it's hard to sit there and like really say this is a horrible offense to God of a movie. It's not a good movie, but you know, it's a trash exploitation movies from the eighties. Like it's hard to really dump on it too hard. And I'm, and as two, two guys who are lovers of trash 80 movies, we love that garbage, that little slop that we just gobble up every week. It's honest to God, it's fun and it's suitable. Mm -hmm. It totally, totally will scratch the itch. If you are, wasted which is exactly why i put it at put it at two or three in in your movie marathon um now we need now honestly parrot chopping mall is movie one Mm. this is movie three we gotta find a a cheesy 80s thanksgiving horror movie i i don't think that's gonna be that difficult well i'm sure we'll find something (laughs) we'll find something we'll we'll dig it up thanks killing why not yeah exactly (laughs) for now thanks killing it's not 80s but same idea same energy same exact energy (laughs) so guys now we're gonna be getting on to our spoiler section go watch uh, don't open till christmas then come back and listen to this and we're gonna get right into talking about spoilers giles As the killer, Mike, I can sum it up as, I mean, I guess somebody has to be. Yeah, at a certain point in the movie, actually, no, I don't even need to beat around the bush anymore. When when the the dancer gets kidnapped by Giles... Mm -hmm. Because the the movie at a certain point, up to the point, is just like Giles is wearing a mask every time he goes to kill a Santa or goes to kill somebody. So everyone's like, oh, no, you couldn't see blah, blah, blah. And then when it's when the dancer is kidnapped by Giles, uh, you see the mouth move, but not the eyes. Mm -hmm. So you see it pants to to Giles' mouth as he's talking. And... I'm sure the movie thought it was clever because the voice was pitched down. And instead of being like a normal talking voice, it was like, what did you do? Or and some, they had some like really, really garbage. And they had some like really hyper close, like hyper close ups on like the mouth and the eyes. They can like, but, maybe if we but, show a little bit, you know, we can still it's, fool it's, them. But the problem with it was, is like the movie was so obviously leaning towards Giles. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so obviously leaning towards Giles. I tried to give it credit and be like, oh, maybe it's the inspector. You know, these movies love to do a bait and switch and be like, no, it was the cop the whole time. But straight up, it was him. He shows up randomly. He's all of his alibis are shattered so fast by Powell. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of one of those where he's revealed and you kind of go, yeah, no shit. He's the bad guy. <laughs> the piano goes dun dun when he shows up. Well, dude, it also felt so forced having mm-hmm. giles and the inspector be brothers yeah it's like they're the pacing here is just atrocious they set this up then just go go just long enough for you to forget about it then bring it up and like oh an insane asylum 
and the inspector changing his name from Harrison to Harris. And I'm like, okay, well, how was Giles able to get out of the asylum without his brother knowing? And I was like, again, big fucking plot holes. And then why does Kate mm-hmm. go to dinner with the inspector and not I... bring up that she knows about Giles? You know, maybe that would have saved her, I don't know, from getting killed. Did like we move scenes around? It just felt so out of place. I agree. I a hundred percent agree. It the there were definitely so many plot holes relating to the relationship between Giles and Inspector Harris because it just also, it, I just didn't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. It just felt unnecessary. Like it totally could have, they totally could have created like this like cat and mouse game where it's like, I've been chasing that man for years. He did the, he did the, the, the Leeds murders back in 77 or some crap like that. And it would have been stupid, but you would have been like, Oh, okay. Like, Oh, okay. So it's like an old enemy or some crap like that. But the fact, not only the fact that the relationship is forced, but Kate withholding information from the person that she vocally says, you're the only person I trust doesn't compute it doesn't make sense yeah it there and then not only that but other characters logic mm-hmm. on the same beat as kate's is infuriating like the dancer's logic like when she gets interrogated by powell and powell's like all right i don't want you to like leave uh so you're gonna be on 24-hour security detail we're gonna cart you back to your apartment and she's like but i want to work and they're like a man wants to murder you. That's a bad idea. She goes, she freaking cons him and leaves to go work. And the, co- I and don't, the cop just fucking lets her just walk out yeah. the front door. Like, oh, not my problem. Well, she's dead. Yeah, exactly. That's the key issue that I have. And like one, I don't care how awesome your job is. I don't care how great your freaking place of work is. You mm. don't risk your life like that for the freaking grind like i don't care how much of a student athlete you are like there's ain't no grind set hard enough for that <laughs> listen mike but, the grind don't stop man. I, I gotta wake up at 3 a.m to go run 12 miles and then go to the gym for I, like two hours i work i work from 5 a.m to 11 30 and i wake up at three <laughs> it's, it's dumb it's just dumb. Like the logic with all of these characters is so half-assed and like, like, Oh, even and, and moving on to like past logic more towards like story plot holes and everything like that. Um, moving back to, uh, Cliff and Kate's relationship. Mm-hmm. When Cliff cons Kate into going to a porn shoot and tries to pressure her into freaking like, posing for a photo shoot and she's like no that's disgusting and she sticks with him and lives with him afterwards like there's no discussion on what insanity of a violation that was they're kind of like okay like and cliff being like okay well i'll just i'll just go do the photo shoot with sharon this other model and she (laughs) just and she stays with him i'm like okay rent's expensive but like yeah, Stop yeah, doting exactly. on him at least. Like, you know, sleep yeah, on the couch yeah. or something. Well, that's my issue is like, I knew that I could, to- you could totally play the like, mm, times was different in the 80s. And I believe you for a freaking lot of it. But the idea that he doesn't at least sleep on the freaking couch is nuts to me. <laughs> like- <laughs> Sorry, man. But get- getting back to Giles, man, 
I want to talk about his motive because oh. it's literally just, well, I caught my dad dressed as Santa Claus fucking somebody that wasn't my mother. And then he knocked somehow uh, shoved my mom in a room and then all of a sudden she's falling down the stairs now that scene was so weirdly edited together that was that was that was was a doozy i'm glad i i love that you were able to piece it together because i just saw just saw obviously the dad was clapping freaking cheeks and i was like "Mm, i get that dude they should have had him on the porn shoot yeah exactly exactly my god he can lay down the law but He's just, just, just this eighty-year-old man just swinging meat around. No, they call but, me Johnny Law, and I'm here. I don't know. I, I didn't know where that was I'm, going. It's, 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 do you want to see my? You want to see my nightstick? <laughs> but yeah, the, no. the 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 motivations here, it doesn't make sense. It's, why? Why is he going to go on a murderous rampage? Well, well, well my thing was is like is like not only does the motivation not make any sense but on top of that how is harris so mentally squeaky clean like is harris just more of a fucking badass like because that's apparently the movie's logic is like this dude was like this dude was permanently scarred by this experience like this was his this was his freaking waco texas (laughs) but the but like apparently inspector harris is just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It doesn't make any sense. And then this, and then Giles just go. Giles, whatever his name is, just goes on a killing spree. Like I don't know, shoving a dude's head into a grill, and now his this Santa's face looks like burnt leather. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, why is Santa standing next to a grill, smoking a cigarette in an alley? <laughs> And then that face just fucking turns into burnt leather and it just happens in fucking like two seconds. I'm like that. I didn't I didn't say I wanted my face medium. Well, I said I wanted it medium rare. You fuck. It's he. He looks like freaking what's what's his name from the freaking Return of the Living Dead series. Oh, yeah. The Uh, fucking uh, thing in the trash can. Yeah, the freaking toxic dude or whatever. I forget what his name is, but yeah, he looks exactly like him. Mm-hmm. So, Mike, are there any kills that you want to focus in on apart from the ending? Because that that deserves its own special talking point. That's a freaking oh my god! I want I'm uh, I'm ready to talk about the freaking ending, but I will actually I will actually talk about a kill. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, okay. The one, the one kill where it's the fat guy in the mall just checking out the woman, and then he dresses up as a Santa, finishes his shift, ponies up to a urinal, and gets his freaking wiener cut off. That is wild to me. I love that, dude. This mall Santa, like, I can't believe that. And again, goes back to what I was saying about the soft kills. I can't believe a movie made me watch a castration happen on camera and for me to be like, okay, whatever. It just, we get some spurts of blood and like, that's really it. It doesn't, it doesn't hit you. The audio isn't there. All it is is just <laughs> like, like he's like, he's it's, coming blood or something. Exactly. <laughs> corpse grinder from cannibal corpse would be proud. <laughs> no, I a hundred percent am with you. That's the thing is like that logically 
for dudes should be the kill that makes everyone go, ooh. But they do it so late. It's like he's cutting a cucumber. Because he just freaking, because the guy's just like, doody doody do. Boy, I love doing my business. And then it's just not there. And blood's coming out onto the toilet. And you're like, Oh, 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 ooh, that's gross, ew. Like, it's, it's, the movie gives you no audio cue. It gives you no Foley cue. Like, it's just, it just happens. Yeah, like, I want to go see Terrifier 2 in the, I've seen it quite a few times, if I'm being honest. And there is a scene in which somebody gets castrated in that movie and I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be done. Maybe we see the we don't maybe we see the dick getting ripped off. But here no, it's just squirts of blood, and that that's all we get. And mm-hmm. speaking of practical effects, we mentioned it earlier, but the bottle kill just feels oh. so, so it's like he's take it's like the it's like Giles is taking the bottle and like going to put it in a cup holder, but then whoops, <laughs> accidentally just stabbed a man in the face. Exactly. It's 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 definitely like POV. You're putting your you're putting your big big gulp down after getting it from Q from freaking Seven Eleven, and it's just because it's just he's just slowly putting the bottle towards the camera, and there's just hard cuts, and it's a it's an obvious dummy. Like it is obvious. Like the like the face is stretched to mold around the bottle. That's obviously not cracked. You can so. see the actor like blink and the thing and like the prosthetic is just fa- like slowly falling down the side of his face. Yeah, it's it's so lazy. It's so damn lazy. <laughs> Mike, are there any other kills that you wanted to focus on before we get to talking about the ending? Let's get to the biggin. Let's get to the biggin. <laughs> So, yeah, Giles gets yeeted off the top floor, but lives and then kills the dancer. And then we get the inspector. Mike, take Mike, take it. I know you've been waiting for this. Take it away, my friend. All right. All right. Giles sitting down on a nice Christmas Eve or a Christmas day, actually. The inspector, sorry. The or not Giles. Yeah. The uh, inspector Harris sitting down. Nice Christmas day. In his study, he has got a cup of tea, got a robe on, he's winding down. He sees the box that he received earlier in the movie and says, don't open till Christmas. And he goes, it is Christmas. So he opens it up and sees to my favorite brother, have a Merry Christmas or whatever. He opens up the thing, sees a little Santa spinning around. He's like, oh, that's sweet. Puts it on the sill, sits down with his tea, starts reading, and then he fucking blows up. <laughs> Dude, I, as I was watching that scene, I was like, it just felt like it was going to be like a very quiet ending. And I thought, is this movie really going to go like try to end on a thoughtful note? And then again, just hard fucking no. We're going to get explosions, which we haven't had in this movie. Like, they're like this movie's like, no, we got pipe bomb. Not, 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 not us. The movie has pipe bombs. And I'm like... I fucking it's, cried laugh. I had to rewind it to be sure I saw what I saw. It's nuts. I, <laughs> what? Like, it's like genuinely, I was losing my shit. I laughing. It's so unhinged. It's so unhinged that this, that this movie decided to end its whole thing on a explosion. <laughs> and, 
Like, come on. Even a knight to dismember didn't do that. Even a knight to dismember didn't do that. You know you're fucking up when the movie that was recreated. Oh, my God. Is more logically concluded than yours. Dude, oh, this, again, if you've gone through the spoiler section and you know what's going to happen, but you haven't watched the movie yet, watch it for the ending. It's just, oh my God. it's amazing. I love it. I oh my fucking God, yes. love this ending. Yes. They spent all of the practical effects budget on an explosion at the very end. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't get it, man. They had so much money that they sunk into that dumb fucking explosion. They could have put it into so much else. So much else. But they just decided that they were just going to spend it all and just freaking send Inspector Harris to hell. Like... <laughs> Well, dude, man, th- this ending was amazing. This movie, it left me on, like, we left on a fucking high. Yes, we did. <laughs> and the last thing I want to say before we get out of here, Mike, is should this movie get a remake? Now, hear me out. With the requel, sequel, remake, reimagining thing kind of being very prominent, especially in the 21st century, and, like, more recently, should this movie get one? Maybe maybe one that's better, like a Black Christmas or a Child's Play or a Candyman remake or or do a requel, kind of like the new Halloween trilogy thing. What do you think? I think that this movie deserves a remake. I think that getting a requel done is a bad idea because this movie is not good. Its story is incoherent as hell and the characters are not compelling. So I think doing a remake of this movie would be great, but, and this is the big freaking, but Mm -hmm. it has to be self-aware because if they tried to make this stupid movie compelling, Mm -hmm. I would, I would riot in the streets. They have to go the Eli Roth Thanksgiving route mm-hmm. or the hobo with the shotgun route. May, but that's not – but but you, in that the lead the into the way, cheesiness, yeah. Yeah. understand that you're making a grindhouse movie and make a grindhouse movie for the modern era. Mm-hmm. Like do something that is balls to the wall silly. Have gore, viscera, like – Go do like get 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 the freaking terrifier special effects Dude, team involved I w- in this. I was gonna say like if they're gonna do this, give it to a guy like Damien Leone. I mean, he's already doing a, a Christmas slasher movie with Terrifier three. Like give it to an Eli Roth, a Rob mm-hmm. Zombie, me and Mike. We already pitched our Santa we'll Con idea. Like we we'll can make we can it. we can make sense out of this, guys. He- why not? I don't know if it's in the public domain or not. I heard somewhere it might be, but I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe. Who knows? I love it. We, I, I, I do too. I do too. I think that I think that this movie has a lot of chance involved in it. Like there's so much that it could have been if if they just made sense out of the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. This would have been fantastic. But they just they chose not to and chose to lean a little too far into into their exploitation. But if they just pulled it back just a little bit, sprinkled in some coherentness into the plot, made the characters make fucking sense, mm-hmm. like you could have something awesome on your hands. Well, guys, that does it for Don't Open Till Christmas. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Messed Up at Midnight podcast. Go follow us on Instagram, X, YouTube. You guys know the deal. Stay up to date with what we got going on. Mike, What do you have any final thoughts? Make sure that whenever whenever you're 
involved whenever if you ever do get involved with the police for reasons make sure to flirt with them in front of their SOs or their or their subordinates it's going it, to not only it's going to end gonna great for you they're going to they're going to take you to a nice turkey dinner in the middle of the day platonically or not <laughs> all right guys we'll see y'all next week see you next week everybody